This is the Advocatus Intimitati Podcast with Matt Orr, Episode 4. Hello, and welcome to Episode 4 of the Advocatus Intimitati Podcast, released on Monday, the 23rd of September, 2019. I'm your host, Matt Moore, here with a selection of privacy stories this week in the first half, followed by a discussion in the second half of the privacy implications of involuntary disclosure of personal information in response to legal process. The U.S. Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit held that LinkedIn may not block scraping of publicly accessible data on its social networking platform by web bots operated by data aggregator HiQ. LinkedIn had argued that this automated access was prohibited by its terms and conditions and the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act. In contrast to rulings in other circuits, the Ninth Circuit noted that the CFAA was meant to be an anti-hacking law, analogous to a law against breaking and entering. Because the data scraped was accessible to the public and did not require authentication, the court held that the CFAA's prohibition on exceeding authorized access did not apply. It also held that LinkedIn could not assert an ownership interest in the information on their platform, since it was only licensed to them by profile owners with the purpose of networking with other professionals. The court also looked discounts at LinkedIn's claims to be defending their users' privacy noting that LinkedIn offered similar services as HiQ. While this appeal was only at the preliminary injunction phase and now goes back to the district court for a ruling on the merits, I find this opinion a breath of fresh air. Previous rulings, notably by the Seventh Circuit, have transformed the CFAA, which as the court said was intended to be an anti-hacking statute, into a cudgel to be wielded by tech companies against upstart competitors for any technical violation of their terms and conditions. The Finnish presidency of the EU Council has just issued an updated draft of a long-awaited e-privacy regulation. Notable among the additions is an article allowing processing of personal data as necessary to detect child pornography. The Working Party on Telecommunications and Information Society will discuss the proposal in their meeting on Tuesday. Finally, the South China Morning Post reports that the government of India will solicit bids for a centralized facial recognition system that will gather data from cameras across the country to aid its understaffed police forces. Privacy advocates are very concerned, however, that such a move is being considered even while India has no data protection law on the books. Worries are not only that India will deploy a China-like system for controlling their population, but that the lack of regulation could result in exploitation of their information for commercial gain and sale on the black market. There is also concern that implementation of such a system by a foreign vendor could be used for espionage. A couple of news items this week got me thinking about an aspect of transparency that is often overlooked. Both the OECD principles and the GDPR principles contain a limitation on the use of data for purposes beyond those specified when it is collected. The OECD principles have a couple of carve-outs for this, which are when you have the consent of the data subject or the authority of law. The GDPR is similar, though it specifies in Article 6 that it must be an EU or EU member state law, and it must constitute a necessary and proportionate measure in a democratic society to safeguard the objectives referred to in Article 23, Section 1, which include national security and defense, as well as criminal prosecution and the enforcement of civil claims. I started thinking about this first because of an article in WBEZ News, a radio station here in Chicago, entitled, 
how your private tollway data is shared with cops and divorce lawyers. It begins by telling the story of Ellen, a woman who took great lengths to escape an ex-boyfriend who was stalking her. She obtained a restraining order and changed her phone number and email address. She bought a new car and got new license plates. But a few months later, her ex obtained all of that information by sending a subpoena to the Illinois Tollway in a lawsuit to which she was not a party. The article notes that she was never notified by the tollway that her information had been obtained in this way. The article also notes that in addition to this information, the tollway holds and turns over information on a person's movements, which has been used by divorce attorneys to prove a spouse as an undisclosed job, for instance. This story illustrates an important point. Data controllers may be compelled to disclose data by a subpoena or other legal process, and may not refuse to respond to such requests without risking significant penalties. One option to protect the privacy of data subjects remains open in many instances, providing notice to the data subject when their information has been disclosed in response to legal process. Interesting, this concept of notice figures prominently in a U.S. privacy law that is often omitted from the list of sectoral laws in the U.S., the Electronic Communications Privacy Act, or ECPA. This is an umbrella term for laws governing access to wire communications and electronic communications and includes the Wiretap Act and the Stored Communications Act. They apply to electronic communication services and remote computing services and govern access to communications data for law enforcement purposes. Notable among its provisions are requirements to provide notice to the target of a wiretap or request for stored communications data, though it is generally after the fact and may be delayed with judicial approval. The other story was in the New York Times and entitled, Secret FBI Subpoenas Scoop Up Personal Data from scores of companies. The particular process this article was referring to is a special type of administrative subpoena called a national security letter. This process may only be served on certain types of entities and is authorized by provisions of federal statutes including ECPA, the Right to Financial Privacy Act, and the Fair Credit Reporting Act. These had in the past included as a matter of course a gag order provision prohibiting the recipient from disclosing the existence of a letter to the data subject. In 2015, Congress passed the USA Freedom Act, which among other things added restrictions on the use of national security letters. Now NSLs may not include a gag order provision unless they include a certification that disclosure would endanger national security, interfere with an investigation or diplomatic relations, or endanger the life of safety of any person. The recipient may now seek judicial review of the gag order provision, and the Department of Justice was required to adopt policies for periodic review and lifting of the gag order when no longer necessary, notifying the recipient by a so-called termination letter. But the Times article speculates that the gag orders on most NSLs have never been terminated. So what does it mean for privacy? The best practice for data controllers would be to notify data subjects when their information is disclosed in response to legal process, unless prohibited by law from doing so, and to commit to doing so publicly in their privacy policy or notice. Users should look for this assurance and demand it from the companies to whom they entrust their data. As for the Illinois Tollway, they say it's up to the Illinois legislature to create stronger protections for customer data from a use of use of legal process. 